are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locks On Diamondbacks podcast, a part of the Locks On Podcast Network. Your team every day you're listening to who? The always wonderful host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. For today's show, I want to talk about who is going to be the closer in 2021. I'll give you three candidates and we'll make the case for each one. We'll go through their pros and cons. And then in the second segment today, I just want to catch up on all the hot stove you might have missed. We've talked a lot about that Nolan Arenado trade in the last couple of weeks, but there's been a lot of moves since then that I have yet to address. So we'll get into all that today. But first, if your company's interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked On Diamondbacks is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 and 44. So if you want men in that age range, this is your spot. Plus, our rates are the most reasonable all around. Email me at LockedOnDiamondbacks at gmail.com to find out more. All right, all right, all right, let's get into it and let's make the case for the three candidates I believe have a shot at being the D-backs closer in 2021. Those three candidates are the newly signed Joaquin Soria, Kevin Ginkle, and Stefan Crichton. So I want to first start with the case for Joaquin Soria because Joaquin Soria, when I look at these three players, Joaquin Soria is the guy with the most experience. Kevin Ginkle is probably the guy with the most upside. I think Stefan Crichton is the guy who is the safest choice. Joaquin Soria comes to the D-backs with already a bunch of saves under his belt, 223 saves to be exact. And he hasn't been a full-time closer since 2018, which really isn't that long ago. But there are some still very positive signs for Joaquin Soria. But I think the most important thing we have to remember is 2020 was a small sample size. But let's dive into Joaquin Soria's numbers because his numbers in 2020 were pretty good. His strikeout rate sat at 25%, which was pretty solid, 9.67 strikeouts per nine. And the thing with Joaquin Soria is he gives up a lot of fly balls, but it's not hard contact. This past season, 2020, he was giving up a launch angle 22.8. His career launch angle given up is only 12.6, so it's basically 10 degrees higher than that. But his barrel percentage this season was only 3.2%. So below his career average of 5.9%. So even though guys were getting a better launch angle against Soria, though they weren't getting the barrel to the ball as much, so it just led to more fly balls because if you look at some of his numbers from last season, in 2019, his uh, home run to fly ball percentage sat at 13%. So 13% of the time when he gave up a fly ball, it was a home run. But in 2020, that was only 3.1% of the time. That's really you know crazy when you think about it I I couldn't think of a better word to say but it's crazy when you think about it because his fly ball percentage in 2019 was 39.4 percent 
in 2020 is 51.6%. So he was giving up way more fly balls in 2020 than he was in 2019. His launch angle was worse in 2020 than it was in 2019, 22.8 to just 15.1 degrees. But that barrel percentage, he took it down a third, uh, basically a third of itself. His barrel percentage was at 9.1% in 2019. As I said, only 3.2% in 2020. So from 2019 to 2020, yes, the degrees went up in launch angle. Yes, uh, he was pitching. Yes, he gave up more fly balls. But in the end, he was actually a more effective pitcher, just more lazy fly balls. So the question for Joaquin Soria is, is he going to be that guy closer in 2020 or the guy closer in 2019? Last year, his ERA was only 43 in 2020, or should I say in 2019, his ERA was only 4.3. In 2020, it was 2.82, and that's a lot shorter of a sample size. 69 innings pitched in 2019 compared to just 22.1 in 2020. So if he's a guy who pitches closer to what he was in 2020 than he was in 2019, then he'll be a great addition to the D-backs bullpen, and we'll have a great chance of making of being the closer for this team. And the question for him really is, you know, is he how much of a decline is he in? His numbers went up. They improved in 2020. Yes, the fly balls got worse, but if he's not giving up as much hard contact and those fly balls aren't turning into home runs, then what's really the issue? Now, he is going to be 37 years old, so he's a lot older than uh, what most closers would be, but we've seen old closers before. Koji Uriharia. Koji, that was, I really butchered his last name, but Koji, when he went to the Red Sox, he was like 38, 39 years old and was a, you know, he was a fire, wasn't, uh, he wasn't a flamethrower. I want to say a fireball thrower, but he wasn't, you know, a guy who was striking you out with uh, fastballs. He was a guy with that split cutter, split change, and just really worked the finesse and the locations. And if Soria can do that, I don't care if he's giving up fly balls as long as they're not home runs and he's that guy that pitches closer to 2020 than 2019. I think he has a really strong case to be the closer for the D-backs in 2021. But how about Kevin Ginkle? Now, Ginkle, I was so high on him entering the 2020 season and he just flat out disappointed me. He was really good in 2019. He had a really strong ERA. His ERA in 2019 was uh, let me find it real quick. His ERA in 2019 was 148, but in 2020, that dropped all the way to 675. Kevin McGinkle just, just did not look like the same guy he was in 2020 that he was in 2019, and it was really disappointing to see. The D-backs gave him his chances after the Archie Bradley trade. They tried to make Kevin Ginkle the closer. He was given a few opportunities, and it just didn't work out. And some of the numbers from 2019 to 2020 are really concerning. His strikeout percentage dropped from 29% to 22% from 2019 to 2020. His walk percentage went up from 94 to 16.5%. And I think the most the, the biggest concern with Kevin Ginkle based off what we saw last season would probably be the fact that he just gave up harder contact he would just hit a lot harder in 2020 than he was in 2019 and if you look at that launch angle again his launch angle 2019 15.8 in 2020 19.7 that barrel percentage almost doubled 3.4 to 6.3 percent hard hit percentage went from 27.1 to 33.3 he was just getting hit a lot harder in 2020 than he was in 2019. That was evident when watching him. His home run to fly ball percentage went from 8.3% to 13%. And he was just giving up more fly balls in general, 41% to 48%. And 
for Kevin Ginkle is kind of like the anti-Soria. Yes, his launch angle went up. Yes, his fly ball percentage went up. But his home run to fly ball percentage went up as well. That wasn't the same case with Soria. He didn't see that home run to fly ball percentage go up. And there were some concerns with some of the pitches that Kevin Ginkle had. It wasn't as effective in 2020. Then It wasn't as effective in 2020 as it was in 2019. But his fastball velocity was still sitting in the mid-90s. So he at least had the power and the umph to strike out dudes. Because Kevin Ginkle is still a strikeout artist. 10.1 strikeouts per nine. Even though his strikeout percentage dipped. He can still strike out dudes with the best of them. And I think he still has the best upside of any bullpen guy the D-backs have. He's still only 26 years old. He'll be 27 pretty soon. But I believe if I was to bet on a guy long term, it would probably be Kevin Ginkle because I still like his mechanics. I still like some of, uh, you know, I still like the power behind his fastball. And I think he just has... A real knack for striking out dudes, but he starts turning to the Robbie Ray where he can strike out dudes, but he can't stop walking dudes. That's going to be an issue because his walks per nine was 7.3 in 2020, and that's just not good. That's just not going to cut it. For Kevin Ginkle, he has to get back to that dude he was in 2019 with that 148 year array with the high strikeout percentage, with the decent launch angle and a decent hard hit percentage. He was just a better pitcher overall in 2019. So if he starts looking like that guy from 2019, then he's going to also have a super strong case for the closer position. But the dude who won the closer position essentially from Kevin Ginkle in 2020 was Stefan Cryan. And this guy was an absolute stud this season. In 2019, he was already good, a 3-5-6 ERA. He already, showed, he already showed some flashes of being a pretty good relief pitcher, but he just stepped it up to another level in 2020. A 2-4-2 ERA, and this guy was just really solid and a steady Eddie for the D-backs, and he was probably even better than that. Now, this guy, he's not necessarily a strikeout artist like you want a lot of your closers to be. His strikeout percentage actually went down in 2020 as opposed to 2019, and it wasn't like... You know, the sample size was was that much smaller. In 2019, he pitched 30.1 innings. That just went down to 26 innings in 2020. So he pretty much had the same sample size in both years. But his strikeouts per nine went from 9.8 to just 8 flat. And his strikeout percentage went from 26.8 to 21.1. So he wasn't necessarily the same strikeout guy he was. But he was better at controlling his pitches, I want to say. His launch angle gave up. It was only 13.5, which is actually went up from his 2019 when it was only 9. But still, 13.5 would still be lower than both Soria and Kevin Ginkle. His barrel percentage was only 1.4%. So dudes just weren't getting the barrel to the ball with Joaquin Soria, but still had a hard hit percentage of 38.4%. So what does that all mean? It basically means Crichton was a ground ball artist. He wasn't striking out dudes. He was basically inducing a lot of ground balls, and that's the case. His ground ball percentage in 2020 was 48%, as opposed to his fly ball percentage. That only sat at 30%. And if you look at his home run to fly ball percentage, it's only at 4.5%. So this guy just doesn't give up home runs. And I think he's just a lot safer bet, probably, than even a Soria or a Kevin Ginkle, just because... You know he's not going to put the ball in the air. Yes, he's going to give up some hard contact, but it's all going to stay on the ground because those dudes just aren't getting the barrel to the ball and just are not getting a a strong launch angle against him. So that's how you want to 
play a lot of modern baseball, you want to keep that ball down because fly balls can still lead to sack flies and still lead to runs. But a ground ball, it's a lot harder to uh, score a guy from third when a ball hits a you know second or shortstop as opposed to trying to score a guy from third on a sack fly. So for me, who would I pick as the D-backs closer in 2021? I would probably start with Stefan crying just because he was really steady in 2020. I think he's shown the most the last couple of seasons. Soria, he did have that poor 2019 season. Uh, Ginkle was poor in 2020, but crying has been good two straight years now. So I think I would give him the best opportunity. And the I think I would give him the first opportunity, I should say, to see what he's made out of. And according to Mike Hazen, the D-backs haven't made a decision on their closer either. He said, I don't think that I don't think all that many bullpen spots have been claimed, honestly. That's the whole nature of the competition. I think Crichton has put himself in a position where he's going to pitch important innings for us in the bullpen. Those guys have to seize those jobs. So Hazen has been talking about how he thinks Crichton probably is going to get the first opportunity. But he also mentions how Soria is going to be right there. And he would be shocked if he didn't see him at least get some appearances in the ninth inning. So this is going to be a full competition spring training. We're going to have to see how it plays out. But for my money, who would I bet on being the best closer and given the first opportunity to be the closer and prove themselves in the 2021 season i'll probably go with stefan crying he's just shown the most the last two years and i was really impressed by him in his 2020 campaign now i'm gonna look at some of those hot stove moves that we might have missed over the last couple of weeks but first with the ever-increasing number of makes and models it is now impossible to stock all the parts your car will ever need at a traditional chain store front RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. The RockAuto.com is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts a car will ever need, rockauto.com. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code LOCKS ON. All right, all right, all right. Let's jump right back into it and let's look at some of the off-season hot stove moves that we might have missed because we've talked a lot about that Nolan Arenado trade, but there's been some moves that we might have missed. So let's just go through it kind of quickly. 
And I'll give some of my thoughts on some of the offseason moves that have happened in the last couple weeks. And we actually got some breaking news right now. Not too big of a deal, but Mark Melanson heading to the Padres. So that's exactly what they needed. Just another lot, you know, back end of the bullpen guy, Mark Melanson. He was uh, pretty good for the Braves last season, a 278 ERA. He's a little bit older, 35 years old. And for the Padres, you know, they still needed some back end of the bullpen help. Uh, Kirby Yates is gone. Drew Pomerantz was pretty good. But you can always use more bullpen guys. And Melanson, that's a nice pickup for the Padres. So the rich keep getting richer. But let's look at some other moves. Chris Archer, he signed back with the Tampa Bay Rays. That's a move they probably needed to do after trading away Blake Snell. Uh, You know, Tampa, they make it to the World Series. Then they trade their best pitcher. A bit of a confusing offseason for them, but they definitely needed that Chris Archer signing. Nelson Cruz, he's heading back to the Twins, and his options were pretty limited. It doesn't sound like the Universal DH is coming to the NL in 2021, so that basically took half the teams out there running for Nelson Cruz. But this guy, his sample size was small in 2020, but if you extrapolate it, I believe that's the right word. Extrapolated over the course of the whole, you know, 162 game season, he was still a 35 to 40 home run guy. Even this, even though this dude is like 40 years old, so he's actually 41 years old. So Nelson Cruz, he's still out there swinging and he's still effective. So I can't hate the Twins for that signing. Brewers signed Colton Wong. That's always a tough name to say. Brewers. And Wong, you know, really good second baseman, really good defensive second baseman. I don't think he's an elite offensive player, but for what the Brewers needed, this is, you know, a two-year, $18 million guy for the upside that Colton Wong might have. He's still a pretty young guy. I think he was always a pretty good Cardinal. I don't think he was an overwhelming kind of player. I don't think he's a superstar. I don't even think he's really an all-star level player, but he is an everyday player. He is an everyday starter. In 2019, he did finish 20th in MVP voting, if that means anything to you. Was a back-to-back gold glove winners in 2019 to 2020. So I think that's still a pretty good pickup for the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, Cardinals, they trade their outfielder Dexter Fowler to the Angels. So I don't want to hear any more about Mike Trout doesn't have help. But on the real, that still probably doesn't help out the Angels too much. We all know what the Angels need. I know I love to hate on Mike Trout on this pod, but I want to see him in the postseason. I want to see if he's really the greatest baseball player ever. And I want to see if what he does on the big stage, you know. Maybe he is the greatest baseball player ever, but I'm not going to proclaim him that based on what he does in the regular season. This is still sports, and I still believe in the aspect of competition and doing it on the big stage. So Dexter Fowler, he's a good player, but he's going to be 35. You know, he's definitely on the decline, and I don't know how much he really moves the needle for the Los Angeles Angels. So I'm not in love with that move, but it does help you out if you're the Angels, I guess, a little bit. Marcel Azuna, he re-signed with the Atlanta Braves, and... I guess like Nelson Cruz, Ozuna is going to be an outfielder. Well, I guess Nelson Cruz isn't going to be an outfielder, but Ozuna is going to be an outfielder just because he's signing with an an NL team, so there's going to be no DH. And Ozuna, this guy, you know, he might not be the greatest defensive player, but offensively, he's a flat-out monster, honestly. If he was a DH, he would be, you know, 
I think even more highly regarded because let's remember in 2020, this guy led the National League in home runs with 18 and RBIs with 56 and even uh, total bases. So this guy did pretty much everything. And he's been just an offensive stud the last few years, honestly, back to back all stars in 2016, 2017. He's been on a good five year run now. So to see him go for that deal, I was honestly kind of surprised. I think based on just his offense, I think he's probably worth more closer to $20 million. And a CEO Zuna, a guy who's still 29 years old, go for that kind of money, four years, 64. I thought he was going to get a lot more than that. He's actually 30 years old. His birthday was November 12th. So he's actually 30, but still. Ozuna, four years, 64. I thought that was a steal by the Atlanta Braves. But the last big move, there was a trade yesterday. I don't want to talk about that. The last big move that I want to talk about because we're running out of time on this pod is Trevor Bauer signing with the Dodgers. Huge deal. And three years, $102 million. Absolutely broke the bank. But he does have opt-outs after 2021 and 2022. So he could still be a free agent relatively soon. But to add a Cy Young Award winner to that rotation, now you got Kershaw, Bueller, Bauer, Price and Urias, and then out of your bullpen, you still got Dustin May and Gonsolin. That is a nasty rotation now for the Dodgers. Puts them right, you know, right against the Padres because Ryan Latica and I on our pod last week were we, I think we were both leaning toward the Padres rotation over the Dodgers rotation. But after adding Trevor Bauer, that kind of changes the math on things. So for the Dodgers, you know. It's a big deal, but you're going to get opt-out to where he could leave and become a free agent once again if it doesn't work out. But that's a move you got to make if you're the Dodgers. you got so many star players on your roster. You're in win-now mode. You see what the Padres are doing. You see what teams like the Mets and the Braves are doing trying to get better. So why not load up your rotation and try and make your team the best way you can? I don't understand why teams wouldn't do more more short-term fat money deals if you could get the guy in the building. And you know what? If you're going to overpay him, I'm no, I don't mind overpaying a dude for three years. If I could get out that contract quick. Quickly, and if I'm putting opt-outs in that deal where both sides could get out that contract quickly and maybe, you know, maybe it doesn't work out and then all of a sudden he could just leave and just walk in free agency and then there was no harm, no foul. So for me, I like a three-year deal. I don't mind the $100 million. I definitely think he's overpaid because I don't think Bauer has a super long track record, but considering he's getting opt-outs, considering it's only three years and considering where the Dodgers are right now as a team in a win-now mode, I think I would make that same deal if I was the Dodgers GM. Now that's it for this edition of the Lots on Diamondbacks podcast. And remember, get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Burskowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast bringing down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcast. And also remember, always stay safe and stay healthy out there. And don't forget to come back next week for a new round of D-backs podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network because it's your team every day. Deuces!